Hello and welcome. You are listening to This QPOC Life, a podcast that looks at the world through the lens of a queer person of color. At the start of season four, we had a long chat about the swirl of it all. And mm. what better way to follow up interracial dating than when discussing the fruits of that labor? Today, after four years, we are playing my favorite song. Bye, 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 Rachel. <laughs> Joining me today is a veritable B team of boy band backups. Carlos, let's start with you. Hi, everyone. My name is Carlos Rios. You can catch me online at TraceWO. My pronouns are he, she, they, hers is, and dark and lovely. No, I don't like that one. Heavenly honey. Sorry, I was stuck on dark and lovely. Hi, everybody. <laughs> my name is Ashley Nesby. My pronouns are she and her. You can find me on all the socials at alaray29. And I'm in sync forever. Mm. I'm going to introduce myself as Jonathan, a.k.a. Blasian FMA, as if there were a choice there. Sorry, I was caught off guard. And my pronouns are he, him, his, and Destiny's Child, because Ooh. Destiny's Child forever. Farah, I see you, girl. Also, <laughs> not you, Michelle. funny story, did you, know, video. did you know her name is actually pronounced Farah? Farah. Mm-hmm. Okay. She, nobody knew that because she had <laughs> never a, spoke. It's a, it's a Kamala okay. Kamala. Right, yeah. Kamala, Kamala, Farah, Farah. How do y'all know if you don't say nothing? <laughs> all right, all right. My name is Zachary Aris, and you can find all 98 degrees of me online at Bye. Zachary Aris. Uh, my pronouns are open, and this is This QPOC Life. Back on episode, like, four, you talked about writing the multiracial slash biracial mixed episode. Like, that was four whole seasons ago. Mm. Like, it was one of the core (laughs) ideals. So, what the fuck happened? Uh, Trump. (laughs) No, it's Trump happened before this podcast even started. (laughs) Get your lie right. Look, I, it's, it's a topic that is very crazy and important and layered and figuring out how to to rope that all in to my entire identity and in your identity too. rope that all in into two 12 minute segments was very very difficult so it took me a while well since this topic is in fact years in the making how about we don't waste any more time Terms like mixed, multiracial, pinoy, hapa, mestizo, biracial are commonly heard today, but there were other terms that were used not too long ago. Creole, mulatto, high yellow, red bone, half-breed, mud, octoroon, and worse. Girl, I'm sorry, I need to laugh at octoroon. Girl, there were some real bad Girl, ones when I was doing the research. that's real bad. That's real bad. Okay, but let's just start. By talking about the history. When did you, Zachary and Jonathan, as our two multiracial folks, when did you first know that y'all was mixed? Don't all answer at once. Hello? Somebody? Jonathan, if you would like <laughs> Zachary, to start. <laughs> if you'd like to start. Uh, when did I first know? Uh, well, uh, I always knew that some of my family looked one way and then the other side looked a different way and it really wasn't until i started going to school when i realized that 
there was that not everyone's family was exactly the way that I was like even before like when I was like pre-kindergarten like I still had friends of different races but I just thought we were all everyone had a Filipino family and everyone had a white family um I do remember a pretty vivid memory was like my fifth grade graduation into going into middle school or something when we had a party and all of my friends from school and mind you where I'm from in Detroit it is very black and white and there's no one else in between um but I remember during this middle school graduate or this uh fifth grade graduation that uh, all the kids um so many of them came up to me looking at my family and they were like I didn't know that you were Mexican and I had to explain to them that those are Filipinos and um, th- it's similar down. though. <laughs> Come on, Mexican is a catch-all for brown people that don't quite look all the way Asian. That's right. Love that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, for me, uh, I, I gotta say like Zach hit the nail on the head for, I had to think about this. Like I was aware that I was, de- I was, br- I'm brown in like third or fourth grade, but it wasn't really until I was in fifth grade that like and this was when i moved out of my san diego filipino upbringing mm-hmm. southern californian uh to move with my dad in a black household and my older sister who was like 16 and i was what nine or eight like she was all she and she's from oakland so like you know it's black it's white it's asian it's very finely defined um and she told me and she talked about mixedness um so i don't think i had a an idea of what mixedness or being mixed was until at least fifth grade. I remember very specifically that um, I had I had a black friend. I have a black friend. His name is Osh, uh, and uh, he and I were in like a local CVS or whatever. My sister was with us, but we all got separated. So me and Osh know this white boy named Mark from Mm -hmm. school so like it's me ash and mark we're all fifth grade in school so and we're like in the local cvs of our neighborhood and my sister was she had just moved in with us and so we're all in this in this place or whatever a cvs and like we get split up it's me and ash and my sister is somewhere else and we ran into mark from school the white boy and we're Mm -hmm. like oh hey mark like whatever blah 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 and then we went on about our business so then we catch up with my sister who's older she's like uh, were y'all talking to that light skinned boy earlier? And we thought she was talking about Mark, the white guy. Mm. And we're like, Mark? Like, yeah, we know him. Why? And she's like, ooh, you need to introduce me to him. And I'm like, Mark? Okay. Like, fine. And then, like, we're walking around the store some more. And then, like, in hindsight, when I, w- I- I've thought about this moment a lot in my adulthood, but in hindsight, mm-hmm. I remember we came across like this light skinned black boy who was like super fine. He had like the green eyes and like the perfectly round nose mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I even remember as an adult thinking back like, oh, that's who she was talking about in that story. That quote light skinned boy because she thought he was fine. And in my memory, I remember him as being fine. And that's also a gateway mm-hmm. into my gayness because I noted him. But anyway. The fact that I didn't even know what light skin, quote unquote, meant then, how could I even know that I was mixed? Like, mm. how could I have those concepts? So it's a long answer to a really for a complex question for me. But uh, a question I had. So you went from California and then you moved to the south. I remember yeah. I have this memory of like because the only other Asians that I saw in in life were the Filipinos within my family, 
I remember being a little kid and any time that we would see other kind of Asians, I would just assume that we're related. Um, and then come to find out that there would be so many times that I would have full on conversations with people in public only to find out when I asked my dad, oh, who was that again? And my dad was like, I don't know. You talking to them? <laughs> for, for me, it's like I grew up in Cali- Southern California around hella Filipinos and Latinx people. Like everyone was brown. There were few white people and there are few black people. Maybe three white people per class and one black person per class in elementary. So for me, it was already like everybody looked different. So I didn't think that I, w- I don't remember like looking in the mirror and being like, why am I so different? Like it was just all different. So mm. I, I don't know. It's just um uh, I, that environment got me to where I would be in fifth grade and not know what my sister was talking about when she said that light skin guy. I thought she was just talking about Mark, the white boy. Mm. Mm, keeping with the school theme, because, you know, a lot of us got a little bit of, um, let's call it trauma coming up from that time. So I'm curious for Ooh. everybody knowing school can be a difficult time and a difficult to navigate uh, being a person of color or being LGBTQ or being mixed. Hell, even being human, period. But did your heritage ever come up in school? Yeah, a little bit. It's funny because I don't look, I don't think that I look very Filipino at all. But um, I remember when we had our senior class, like when we did the top 10 and my school, which was 48 at the time after I switched schools, my high school is 48% black, 40% white. Um, I remember we realized that all of the top 10 were white except for like one person. And um, I remember my friend Letitia, she said that this is ridiculous. This is Letitia James. I was going to ask the same (laughs) question. (laughs) Letitia girl. Jesus Christ. She's taking down the NRA though, bless her heart. <laughs> uh no. <laughs> um this was L A T I S H A and she was the greatest singer I've ever heard in my life and we were in many musicals together. But she said that this is some racist bullshit and we need to go to the office because we can't have an all white top 10 and she was like, "Zach, you're the Asian in the school. You should be pissed at this too." And I was like, "Why?" And she was like, "Aren't you all supposed to be smart?" and i said well yes but also yeah so yeah it was it was interesting navigating school school for me um i get like i don't i just don't know i think southern california is just a different place um definitely when i moved to the south I got a lot of questions of like, what are you mixed with? Or you must be Latino. You must be Hispanic. Like you must be mixed with that. Like, uh, people always assumed, um, I did never really gave it thought in high school in elementary school. I think I was just accepted as a Filipino just because people saw my mom. Folks Mm. rarely saw my stepdad. He was Marine. So he was always on base in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Like I would only see him at home. Um, but like it's weird because I let go of that part of my life and I when I lived with my dad and growing up and going to college going to an HBCU I really leaned into blackness living in the south where it's only black and white and then some Mexicans were moving up from Mexico into those southern states um you know 
it, it really is like you people just saw me as black. So I leaned into blackness for a very long time to the point where I forgot that when I was growing up, I was considered Filipino by much of the neighborhood and many of the people in my class. I remember uh, we had a school project. There was this guy named Zernan. I just remember his name. And we, the teacher was like, okay, everybody choose a country to do. And there were like these books. And me and Zernan both grabbed the Philippines book. And we were both like, but I want to do the Philippines. Like we both, <laughs> as okay. fourth graders, doing our fake Filipino accents. Mm. And like, we both laughed because we both just knew we were Filipino. And he let me have it. I let him have it because mm-hmm. he wanted to do it. So a Christian. But like, but back then it was just so innocent but of course we were just fourth graders but there are some young kids that know about race and know about these things from a very early age i was not one of them i've had to do a lot of learning Mm. and speaking of learning and you know you mentioned a little bit of leaning into the different parts of your racial identity and perhaps some of that was shaped by the environments that you found yourself in my question to kind of follow up on that um as a multiracial person Uh, Did you ever feel like you heard or had you heard before, you know, you need to pick either being Asian and Mm. black or Asian and white um, or alternatively like, oh, well, you're not Asian enough or you're not black enough or you're not white enough. What were those comments growing up for you? I always heard the the last question of you're not X enough. Like on if I would go to the Filipino side of my family for holidays, it's like, oh, I'm the American cousin or I am the American or um, or my grandmother would say that I shouldn't go outside and play with my cousins because I have the good skin. Um, and then on the white side of the family, we were. The ones that weren't, you know, they were a little different. Um, Mm -hmm. and there would always be like these microaggressive, semi-racist comments all the time from the white side of my family. Um, and admittedly from the Filipino side too, they, they are not absolved from their anti-blackness or their anti-Islam or anti-Japanese sentiment. Um, so yeah, I would always hear that you're not X enough because either, either side of the family I go to, I don't fit in on that side of the family 100%, even though I love them and they are my family. Um, yeah, so that it was just weird to, weird to navigate for me. Uh, I want to lean more into the pick one or the other type, uh, vibe. And it's like in America, we have the one drop rule, which is if you have any black blood in you, then you're black. If you appear black, then you're black. Because if you were stopped by a cop, they wouldn't be like, oh, the Blasian person. It's like I would not expect them to be mm-hmm. like the black Filipino person. But that is everybody goes on appearances. So it's like pick one or the other. You're black. It's like, yeah, I know I'm black. And as soon as I start acknowledging the other side, then it's all like, well, why do you want to be something other than black? And it's like, it's not. Mm. I just am like it's not my fault that y'all have example after example in the black community of people trying to claim their one thirty second uh, Cherokee ness and running away from their blackness. God, that puts mm. a bad taste in your mouth about mixed people. But I actually came up in a household which has two completely different cultures, and I'm going to honor those. And that doesn't make me any less black. Um, because I'll go toe to toe with you about the history of Negro spirituals and black music any day. Mm. Right. Because I leaned into um, my, I lean into both sides of my history. I appreciate both sides of my uh, heritage and my culture. It's not me running away. Uh, Still, you know, just like Zach, we do deal with the whole 
you're not black enough or you're not Asian enough. Uh, all of that stuff. It's 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 something that yeah. I've seen time and time again in countless conversations, whether it's subtle mixed traits, whether it's Blasians Unite, these Facebook groups that I'm mm-hmm. a part of, that I've created, these spaces. It's, it's just a thing. Um, and so it's it's a lot. I mean, I, I know that Jonathan and I, we could unpack our entire upbringing all through college, but just like Rachel Dolezal staring into the eyes of a reporter asking her, are you white? Let's take a quick break. Oh, girl. She did not understand the question. And she Who was I talking to recently? And they said Rachel Dolezal is going to have her moment. So we need to be careful and delete all our old Rachel Dolezal tweets because sometime in the future, she is going to have her moment and transracialism is going to be a real thing. At that point, um, I will welcome conservatism to... <laughs> Let's flip the script. Oh, Lord. Jonathan and I have shared our experiences as biracial people, but you've talked about the term Blancas in the family before. Could you elaborate? Sure. So for those of you who are new or just not aware, I am of Puerto Rican descent. Uh, Both of my parents are Puerto Rican. And as someone who is of Puerto Rican descent, one of the things that we learn about, the very limited things that we learn about our uh, background includes the fact that on Puerto Rico, we are generally comprised of three major racial groups. So one of them is the European colonizers, mostly from Spain, that made their way into the Caribbean. The other is the native Taino peoples, who were the natives to the island. And then lastly, the African slaves that were brought over uh, as enslaved people uh, from mostly West Africa. And within that, there's just a lot of a lot of the swirl that we talked about earlier that happened that brought us here. And so many of us who are of Puerto Rican descent have all three of those ancestries inside of us. Um, And how Mm -hmm. that shows up, interestingly enough, is because mixed people phenotypically express the genetic traits from their parents in different ways, you may have a family where it's the same two parents, but because of the way the genes sort of got all mixed up and expressed in the womb, uh, and then maybe some lifestyle choices that happen, like you might have people that look super fair skin and very European. And then you might have people that 100% look black uh, or some people that like look somewhere in the middle or some people that like are black, but then have like red hair. Like it's really all over the place and quite interesting. Uh, and so for us, it's interesting because the conversation generally is less around race and actually the idea of race kind of being a bit of a taboo subject to talk about and more of around color because Again, it's an old sort of system of thinking that's still rooted in racism, but it's around colorism and proximity to whiteness. Mm. So, Ash, earlier in the episode, we heard the term red bone, a term Urban Dictionary describes as a light skinned female. (laughs) Though I've been called it before, too. Have you ever encountered this term before? Yes. (laughs) Okay, elaborate for us, please. Here we go. (laughs) Yes, I have. I think in 
probably later in middle school and all through high school. I'm not going to say what years those are because early in the episode, I was already called old and I'm not going to give any fuel to that fire. But in my high school days, that is all Approaching middle age. (laughs) Mm. You don't know. Don't tell people. Um, uh, In high school, you could not hear a little Wayne song that did not have red bone in it. Every little Wayne video, as he was talking about red bones, came the light skinned girl with like the red, curly, long hair. And then there's me and my friends who look absolutely nothing like that. And so what you, you know, obviously you start to ingest that, you start to believe shit like that. And so all of my friends, people around me are dying their hair red. Why? Because they want to look like, they want to be called a red bone and that's the girl with the long the curly beautiful hair and the light skin and and what evolved for me and like I can talk about this proudly now but at the time I was ashamed of it there was a time when I was so much not that I was the opposite of that that like Mm -hmm. I was ashamed to show like my elbows because my elbows were darker I was ashamed to show my Mm -hmm. knees because my knees were darker and these red bone girls did they are just all one color. It was like Photoshop before Photoshop was a thing. And I'm like, how y'all go outside or play? Nobody ever fell. Like what? What you gonna ride a bike? What has happened? So yes, I'm extremely and emotionally tied to the term red bone. And um it caused, I think, a lot of hurt for a lot of people. There's even an Eric Benet song with Lil Wayne all about red bones. And like mm. We are, we put that type of woman on a pedestal as the ideal and you had no choice, especially in those formative years, but to feel as though you weren't good enough because you weren't that. I wasn't red bone. I was Mm. like brown bone. I was like brown black bone. And nobody was making a song about that. Where where does high yellow come into the mix? That's what I want to know. Because I've heard that before. Oof. Those are different. Uh, it's. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we talked about this a few years ago with mm-hmm. Mary Martha. Uh, it's just the undertones of the skin. So I think, uh, I, like I said in that question leading up to, to Ashley, I have been called red bone, but also high yellow. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, which one is it, y'all? Like, <laughs> light skinted. Apparently, uh, these mm-hmm. are just these are just different terms for light skinned black people. Mm. That's right. Well, we do know that there's a direct correlation talking about skin tone um, or correlation between that and classism and privilege. I know from personal experience that being white passing gives me a level of white privilege that my cousins don't always have. And I wanted to ask you all, when we hear about inheriting, quote unquote, good or Indian hair or the term, oh, she's pretty, she must be mixed. What is your knee jerk reaction to that now? Um, I have thoughts. Mm. So my, my knee jerk reaction to it now, present day is a little bit of embarrassment because there was a time when people would say to me, I had good hair. You must have Indian in your family. And I took pride in that. Again, goes right back to the red bone comment because that is what I was seeing portrayed as beauty during those times. So when someone said to me or walked up to me and touched my hair today, don't touch my hair. Anybody don't listening? Do don't touch me. Girl, you lean right into that microphone. Don't. Just don't. The, the two women don't. with the longest hair here say don't touch it. Don't don't touch my hair. But back then, when people would come up to me and touch my hair and ask the question, oh, you got that good hair, or you must have any in your family, you would just fling that around. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, neither. But at the time, I want you to think that. So 
Now, these days, I understand the harm that that's done. And I'm obviously extremely proud of the hair that I have. And I understand. But back then, if that was like a comment that made you feel really, really good about yourself because you were striving to look like and become that which was portrayed Mm -hmm. as beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I think my initial reaction is very similar to Ashley's in that I I find it extremely problematic uh, because it, it presents one very narrow definition of what beauty might be and what beauty might look like that conforms to primarily a white European standard. There are so many different Mm -hmm. types of beauty and so many different beautiful things about people that are not, that that are represented in non-white ways. Um, So for me, it's, it's really, really challenging. And I also own the fact that those are comments that I've heard. Those are comments that I probably in the past have said or perpetuated. And now as an adult, I understand the damage that that has caused. And so I I name and I grieve that racism because it's not okay. Well, uh, I'm not sure if you realize this, but it's an election season and Senator Kamala Harris is the Democratic vice presidential nominee, the third woman nominee, the first major party black VP nominee uh, and the first South Asian VP nominee. Coming after President Obama, who is also multiracial, how do you all think uh, their mixed heritage plays into their candidacy? I mean, I think thinking about the political the political implications of having someone who is multiracial, I think there's a lot of stuff, right? So I think that there are, when they spin it, because everything needs to be spun politically, there are advantages and disadvantages to each of those identity categories, right? So if you've got Barack Obama, who is mixed black and black African, right? Because his dad was, well, was from Af- Africa, it was Ethiopia, I believe. Um, or Kenyan, sorry, his dad is from Kenya. Kenya. Um, and his father, who's white woman. When he was running, there was a lot of talk around, well, he's black, always referring to him as black and sort of minimizing the white portion of his heritage. And then at some points when he was running, and then even as he after he became president, there were conversations around him being more of a mixed person. Or there were also conversations... Um, that I would say were primarily led by black folk around Barack Obama not being black enough. Uh, and so I think it's mm. it's interesting because... Who said that? Joe Biden? <laughs> Girl, <laughs> Joe Biden said if you ain't voting for me, you ain't black. He <laughs> sure did. So, and he said it just like that with his mm-hmm. whole chest. Sure did. Um, Head cocked to the side and everything. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> he thought he was real cute on that, on that program. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's, that's also really, really interesting for me. And when I think about it now with, with Kamala, you know, they're, they're leaning into her, my sense at this point, anyway, they are describing both of her ethnicities. However, I think they're really leaning into the fact that she's black. Um, and I think that the fact that we have made these decisions and we've come to this, this point after, the, the George Floyd and other related protests that happened through May and June, like it's not lost on me that the person that he picked happens to be black as part of their identity markers. But I don't, 
I mean, and I don't know Kamala, so I'm not going to sit here and be like, I don't know, you know, what she's representing and what she's doing and not saying. What I can say is what I have seen up until this point gives me a lot of I'm just going to lean into I'm a black woman. However, there's also this crazy birtherism thing that's going on with her that also happened with Barack Obama Mm -hmm. around. Oh, well, she's Canadian. I was like, no, girl, she was born in California just because she brown and she maybe she lived in Canada for a little bit, but that's like not illegal. Right. She's been here a long time too, mm-hmm. but now they're trying to piddle that one about her too. Mm-hmm. I, anyway, those are my mm-hmm. thoughts. Similar to Carlos, I see people playing up, depending upon what your angle is, depending upon what the story is you're trying to tell, people are leaning into one side of her heritage. If you are hoping that she, because she is black, she's going to somehow bring in more black people and reach them simply because of who she is, then you're always going to talk about that. There are also a lot of people on the right who are making it known. I only watch Fox whenever I need shit to talk about. Who are making it known that, oh, she's not black. She's South Asian. So they know that there is, as far as Joe Biden and his his um, his uh, candidacy is concerned, they are trying to play that up as an advantage. And I think the right understands that that could be an advantage. And so they're doing everything they can to say, hold up, she's not just black. She's also South Asian. So all the black people who think you're going to come running to her and she's going to understand you, she might not because there's this other side to her. So mm. people are kind of picking her apart based upon the agenda that they are trying to push, which is politics. Mm. And I also want to say really quickly that I think part of why, especially the Democrat Party, is pushing uh, and leaning in more on the black side. I think the Democrat Party is counting on the black vote and they generally can right because most black people are registered democrat there's there are right. some black republicans they do exist however the major overwhelming majority of them are democrats so when black people come to vote at the polls it is almost a guarantee that they are going to vote democrat right mm-hmm. and so i think that is this weird not weird it's this sort of political expediency moment where Black people know that they're most black people understand that they're not going to vote against their own interests. So they won't necessarily vote for the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And so the white Democrats or other Democrats seize that opportunity to say, like, OK, now we've got a black person here. You need to get extra excited and come out because if more black people come out, we're more likely to win. Right. Mm. And that's on period. I just think that this might blow up in uh, Democrats face, to be honest. Uh, because of everything that we've been talking about on this podcast and feeling not this enough or not that enough. I think that it's just as Ashley described. They think, oh, they think they got a black person and they're trying to get more bang for their buck. So they also have a South Asian person. So it's just going to appeal to everyone mm-hmm. or she's going to appeal to everyone. And she might not appeal to anybody mm-hmm. because of how the world views mixed people. So mm. this might be a thing is all I'm saying. I mean, honestly, I I know that we could talk about this topic forever. And since I promised you all a biracial episode in 2017, I given the conversation today, I only think it's fair that we have a bye 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 racial part two in the future. And so like 2023. Yes, exactly. So see you all in three years. Let's take a break.
We hope that we've been able to give you something to think about and that you are able to walk in your truth and power. Special thanks goes out to our patrons on Patreon. Theodore, Homo Ground, Philip, Sean, Ray, Gerald, Timurel, Howard, Michael, Chris, Jonathan, and Goody Mom. You all are keeping the show together here on season four, and we are so grateful. And with that, you all, our time together comes to a close. I'm Zach. I'm Ashley. I'm Carlos. I'm Jonathan. And this is This Q-Pac Life. Life.